Hello, and welcome to the Comedian's Paradise. This is the podcast where we speak to scintillating, tantalising people from across the globe that inspire comedians like you and me to live this comedy journey on our own terms. You look Now, today we have an absolute wonder. A proper fish and chips lady. A lady that will that has charm, comedy pizzazz, and she is she is dazzling comedy scenes all across an island and London. You guys are gonna absolutely love her. Please welcome the fantastic Ada McQueen. Yay! That was good. I like that. For me, your 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 accent is spot on. And it's fun. I don't know what fish and chips is. What does that mean in copy rhyming slang? So fish and chips, what I'm saying is, you know, it's the proper sort of cod. You've got the batter on top. You've got the chips. You dip it in the tartar sauce, get a bit of lemon, ketchup, okay. mayonnaise. You've I'll got copy, your wonder. I'll copy rhyming slang for anything. Yeah, it's just deli- deli- delicious fish and chips. Is it all right? Or should I call you like uh, Aidan McQueen? She is like the French dish of French macaroons. Very good. Very good. Okay, so I thought it was cockney rhyming slang. No, that's fine. My name is Aideen. So it's A-I-D-E-E-N. It's like, it's it's phonetic. So Aideen. The E-E is, is an E. Like, you know, like uh, Queen. Aideen McQueen. It rhymes. Her name is Aideen McQueen. You know, the it's- popper style. Not just the short Aiden. It's like Aideen. You've got to remember that. I'll remember that in the future. All right. No, no bother, babe. No worries. No worries. I'm trying to kind of mine is more ethics, my accent. When Ireland people find it fucking amazing, they think I'm really good. Really? And, what do yeah. they say to you when you did oh, you no, convince? It's amazing. Oh, you sound so English, babe. It's amazing. I thought we was English. So um, I did it last night. I would take the piss into the English because I'm in Ireland at the moment, gigging for the week. And um, they, yeah, but it's like, so I think your accent is really good. I think that's really good. What? Thank you, love. It's, it's proper sound. Now, you're for, you've gigged a lot in like Dublin and London. Like, how how did you sort of get started in comedy, and what makes London comedy fish and chips, and what makes Irish comedy stew? Okay, good. So I used to. When I'm I'm born in a town called Kilkenny in the southeast of Ireland. And they had a great comedy festival. Because like any people are called the cats. It's it's a kind of like our nickname. And we, so as kids, myself and my sisters would volunteer for this festival. And we would help out putting out the chairs and taking tickets and all this stuff. And as a volunteer, you were allowed to watch the shows. It was a really poor deal, actually, because they got a lot of cheap labour. But it was brilliant. We loved it. We'd be hanging out with um, comedians and uh, chatting to them and watching great shows. So I saw brilliant, brilliant acts, you know, Dara Brian, D- Dylan Warren, Will Bailey, Lucy Kay, Mark Maron, Doug Stanhope. All these amazing acts would come to your small town, you know, 20,000 population. And so I got exposed to comedy at a young age and I liked it a lot people always said to me I was funny and I was always the class clown that was my way of um of communicating with people um so I was always making jokes I was always being funny I liked that kind of thing but um 
I, I didn't do anything about it. I secretly wanted to do drama in college, but I didn't do anything about it. I was too self-conscious and too afraid to kind of do stuff like that. And eventually I did teaching and I'd be very creative in my job. And eventually I became friends with a girl who did stand-up comedy, um, well, very well known in the Irish scene and in England, Eleanor Tiernan. And she told me to do stand-up and I was like, no, no, I shouldn't. Really? Okay, I will. <laughs> so she got me my first open mic gig in a place called Hapenny in Dublin. And I didn't prepare anything really material. I knew really what I had. I had stuff in mind that I wanted to talk about, but I didn't prepare it. And I went up and I got maybe a few little laughs and there was enough for me to get that adrenaline drive to want to do it again and again and again. So that's how I started doing open mics. And then within a year I think I got my first paid gigs and once you start then you're just striving for more and more and more so I don't know that's how I got started in it anyway. and what made you decide to traverse the London scene as well as the Dublin scene or the Irish comedy scene I should say the Ireland is very good for comedy there's excellent comedians from Ireland but what do you think the population of Ireland is um, I would say about, I, I think we've heard of this, like the numbers dropped a while back, but I hear it's sort of five, four million, something like that. Exactly. It would be like just doing comedy in Yorkshire, if you could only do comedy in Yorkshire, or if you could only do comedy in Greater Manchester. That's what doing comedy in Ireland is like. So to make, in order to make a living, or at least attempt it, or you, you need to be really close to London. Oh, okay. So that's because the opportunities. But I've also visited um, uh, what's it called the Dublin comedy scene, and it's quite a, it's quite an interesting sort of tight knit community. It's um, it's so I went to the it's a world famous gig set up by um, Andrew or Helen, and it was what's it called the Comedy Cellar? Is that right? Yeah, I was there last night. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is it still run by Dave O'Reilly? No, no, it's not. No. Oh, okay. But, um, Andrea Farrell and Sharon Mannion run it now. So they just started running it just after the lockdown and it's doing really, really well. It's and it is it's one thing that I found quite interesting with that gig as a whole. It it, it was all there's no microphone, it's sort of become a sort of a stable of that gig, isn't it? Yeah, see, it's it's difficult if you're a comedian that's subtle or deadpan. You know, there's charismatic comedians and there's charming comedians. And so the difference is a charismatic person comes in, hello, how are you? And makes a joke and makes people, make, pushes themselves on the audience. Right? I would say I would like that. I push myself on the audience. A charming comedian or a charming person will come in like, hi, how are you? Oh, you look lovely. They draw the person in. And it's not necessarily, I mean, that's more in real life, but in, in on stage, a charming comedian will make you like them, make you lean in and listen. So it's difficult for comedians that don't use that high energy, high volume thing all the time. Hmm. So it's getting a microphone like now they were saying last night. Hmm. And it's 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 quite uh it's 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 quite uh what's it called? Um yeah, but it's 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 got a nice friendly audience to it from what I saw, and I, I did the half penny in as well. They got two couple gigs there. Yeah, that's I that I don't know if it started up again. The guy who ran that that was my first gig, 
ran it for years, but I think he's he's getting on a bit, Tony Friends. What a lovely man. And he's done loads for the Irish comedy scene. But I think that um, it, it, he mightn't be opening it again. But th there is another one that was, I had an interesting story. I'm not going to say, but I remember I went on a Sunday gig in that venue. And the thing that really, I've never had this before at a comedy gig, but the barmaid, you know, I said I was from London, I was performing there. And she said to me, good luck. I hope you do well. And I've never had that from a barmaid before. And it was on the Sunday gig and I was with the guy that runs Cherry Comedy and Dwayne Duggan and his Mrs. Fiona Fawley, is that right? And then there's the American comic. And there's he's a lovely chap, but the thing is, he, he would go on and MC it, but once it would go well, he'll keep doing another five, ten minutes, and then it'll go, it'll be a, a struggle. And then the other acts would just have to try and do crowd work to try and recover it. But it's... it's and that's that's one of the hard things I think sometimes with MCing not to go on too long. Yeah, yeah. Irish MCs. I'm surprised I came back and I was like, the MC is doing 20 minutes at the start. What's going on? So yeah, they do a bit more maybe. And MCing, and then it's very. Most Irish comedians are also MCs. It's like a, there's a very MCing style in comedy anyway. It's changing a bit now. We're getting more to comedy. Comedy is very thing. But our style would be, yeah, like there's almost, sometimes you do it like a gig and everybody's emceeing, like, you know, and it's just, that's the way their style is. Hmm. It's, yeah, it's, 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 what, and would you say it's more, uh, what I noticed is that it's very, um, it's very, very, I mean, one of the things that I've sometimes seen in here, more, what, most of what I saw it was, it was very punchline, 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 punchline. And in sometimes in the UK you have some that do it a bit like the American comics, and then they also do the punchline. Then you have the quirky acts. I mean, that's what I noticed. But I hope. what what would you say is the key difference in humour in terms of London comics and Irish comics? Considering that you've sort of been a sort of pro in both scenes in a way. So it's there's it's not that different, but. A difference is that there's less character acts and less one-liners acts in in Ireland, far less, less puns, less that there's this thing called loosely termed public schoolboy humour, which doesn't to the same extent exist in Ireland at all. And the other difference is that because in England, I think there's more heritage of going out for the night, going out to shows, seeing comedy on TV, seeing people do one-liners and seeing characters. That if somebody goes up and they're not quite their authentic self, they can still get, get raise a titter from the audience. The audience will still like them. But in Ireland, and this happens, I think, in the North as well. There's a different, in the North of England, there's a different sensibility where if you're not true to yourself, it, that it'll the audience will go against you straight away so that's that's one of the things that i think is is quite different um the, the comedy is the tightrope of trying to seem confident but not you have to be confident but you don't want to seem too confident it's the tightrope of that and you have to be self-deprecating but actually not believe it yourself so i think there there's it's more in tune with yeah, authenticity is a little bit more important to authenticity over performance to Irish people. 
<laughs> what you said there is you talked about like you talked about dates <laughs> like in terms of being or what's it called or someone trying to impress a date by trying trying to be something they're not that's no, and they're going the other way i don't know i don't know well I was, you i was talking about gigs and i i didn't say anything about impressing um but you've interpreted it as this so go on go on oh okay <laughs> but if if but if so basically if someone's not being themselves and not not trying to be trying to what i was saying is bluster and you're saying do it a bit it's like do, be slightly it's slightly not it's let's say there's a very attractive girl and she comes up and she does comedy and she goes oh you know i can't find a boyfriend and she, you know you can see there's three men in the front row who who've got wig rams in their pants because she's so hot and they won't be able to have a drink at the, at the bar at the break because you know and it's not authentic but in england you get away with that a bit more but like and that's fine that girl can say maybe she can say i can't find a good boyfriend but then she'd have to say it's not because i'm not hot it's just because i'm mental now that's not funny but you know just using that structure to you know she'd need to explain to it maybe you're angry maybe you're all over the place um maybe you're gay but don't you know so that inauthenticity if you know if, if that's what i mean it's not bluster really that i'm talking about but do you do you do you see what i'm talking about does that make sense i mean don't be be confident but don't give complete bullshit yeah yeah don't give complete bullshit or stories that definitely didn't happen you know often comedians have stories that are so fabricated oh um, yeah and the Irish people go for less than the English. The English people are able to swear belief more. So I'm not saying either way is better, but I think the English can, because they're more, there's a more culture of having comedy on the TV for years. Like the first comedy club started in Ireland in 1993. So you have a longer culture of it. So they're, they're more able to suspend their belief. They're more tuned into it. Mm. And yeah, it's a bit, uh, okay. And with regards to sort of the Irish scene, is it is it just in sort of mainly in Dublin, or is it like is the main set of comedy scenes like comedy cities in Ireland? So it would go by Dublin, Cork, Belfast, Belfast, Dublin, and then Cork, and you've had clubs in Galway as well. And the there'd be the occasional gigs in places in other little cities as well. There'd be festivals in different little places, but there's it's far less it's very sad for me because ireland is it should have more gigs for the size of the island but it doesn't again this culture of going out to a gig isn't as entrenched in irish people as it is in english people but does that mean think that they're oh sure i'm fucking funnier than any comedian let's just go to the pub and listen to you know come across that attitude a little bit more they they ah okay yeah and and we still get that in London as well, isn't it? Like they they say, I always hear in conversation with people they they say, oh, I don't find any of the ones funny on TV. They shit, or they say, oh, go and then tell us a joke. Whenever whenever you you I don't whenever you mention to a conversation with someone that you do comedy, often what it tells a lot more about the person when how they respond to it. So if they start saying, go and then tell us a joke, that person is a bit arrogant, a bit full of themselves. 
or if they're interested in that, so they're a bit more open-minded and they're actually interested in comedy. Good point. Yeah, that is true. I never tell. I, if I can really, I don't. If I avoid, I just avoid yeah, telling. I think so. I think it's probably better. Sometimes in taxi, the taxi man is like, "Oh, what you doing?" I'm like, "Oh, I'm late for work. I need to go to work." You know, and they're looking at you like, "Are you positive?" So it's sometimes you have to say to people, but I try to avoid it most of the time because it puts people under pressure. I think especially men, because women will be like, "Oh my god, I'd never be able to do that. You're so brave." Like, not just the bravery. It's because I'm funnier than you. I watch comedy. I like it. I put in the hours. I do work on my material. But thanks for just thinking it's about bravery and confidence. And men's reaction is competitive. So they don't like you to be in the position of being the joker. It's not sexy for them. It's not vulnerable as a woman. Uh. But I say they're even, and I used to think, oh, they're just like that because I'm a woman. But I see exactly like they react to you. Tell us a joke then. So then I do think I have some kind of crap. I will tell them kind of crappy little jokes. So I might tell them little one-liners or something. And then, of course, you know, but I try, I just avoid telling them I'm a comedian at all. Yeah, but yeah, musician, and that explains why I'm always out at night. And also, just because some one thing I've come to thought of, just because someone does a certain thing, doesn't really define who they are. Like just because someone's a billionaire businessman or whatever, so what? Like, I mean, that's the that's the thing. Me saying that is just very. A lot of us wouldn't be like that, but if they're an arsehole at the end of the day, a lot of us need to get past that sort of thing you know there's still a person behind it at the end of the day yeah of course and they're not so keen if um yeah it's it, it is a very strange thing like for for most people saying you do stand up comedy is like saying i'm a sword swallower or i eat fire you know i'm a fire breather or i'm, I'm a stripper it's it's very out there for most people even though actually it's quite a mainstream as our firms go it's probably one of the ones that's most accessible to the normal person but yeah it, it, it just it sounds if you're not immersed in it it's too, too it's just too much of an act for a lot of people to take it in and they're fascinated by it they also think you think you're fucking funny that you can get up on stage and entertain people it's like saying yeah i'm a model yeah i'm, I'm my personality is so good that i need to go on stage and en masse tell people my thoughts yeah it's like a TED talk with jokes, basically. So they kind of, there's kind of, and then there are those people that are a bit too interested in you doing comedy. And you're like, you want to do it yourself. But, and then they'll, they'll give you jokes. And um, I have a yeah. friend who's giving me jokes about like the offside rule and managers, football managers. And I'm like, have you heard my set? This isn't, where is this going to delightfully glide into my set? You know? like applied rule zinger in and yeah but he clearly wants to do comedy himself but he kind of lives a little bit by care use that now that's a good joke you should do that people men would like that i'm like yeah but it's not they don't understand maybe character and persona and things fitting yeah well maybe you could wind them up and start telling him stuff about football to wind them up and say listen this is how football works and this just yeah, see him get see yeah, you're right i should be like yeah, he's a politician. So you should do. You should do this, law. You should. I've got, I've drafted this legislation for you. Yeah. Yes. Switcheroo. <laughs> just do stuff that he wouldn't be like. I, he's a socialist, so just do all this right wing legislation that would be maybe good legislation, well written, but doesn't suit his manifesto. <laughs> <laughs> 
plan abortion to do this. I've written, I've written a white paper for you. Bring it in. <laughs> yeah. So good, good idea, Martin. I think I'll do that. You should do that bit. <laughs> I don't know. It's um, talking about comedy during my set. Although I've written a new joke that is about comedy. I haven't tried it yet. I really want to. Um, but I, th I think it might be too like comedians are like, oh, that's a good idea. But I think the lay person, as I like to call them, would be like, what are you talking about? Hmm. Basically, the comedy is the only art form, really, where people you expect your audience to be drunk and you have to write for the drunk person in mind. Like you don't go into the Louvre and they're like, and you do two shots and then you go and like, Mona Lisa, yeah, fucking. And then, you know, you could, the art would have to be done completely differently. So you release really some probably have a little dick on their face. Hmm. <laughs> That's quite an interesting. <laughs> you used to have to imagine you're drawing with dick. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, if 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 um Birdie had to write Ness and Dorma, thinking that everybody in his opera or in Milan in La Scala had drinking had drank three Jaeger bombs, it would be a different opera, you know. Like, let me try this. Ness and Dorma. <laughs> okay maybe it's, laugh. maybe it's worth trying out on stage but um yeah so you have to it, you have uh, you have to you can't you can't be writing these really cerebral things in you know um you have to write stuff that pleases most of the people most of the time whilst they're drunk so that's an interesting challenge as well my sister started comedy and her first joke was about she's very bright she's a doctor and her first joke was about, um, it had a reference to the composer Shostakovich and a reference to Stalinist Russia and a reference to him being, and in order to make the joke work, you had to have an understanding that, that Shostakovich had composed during the communist era for the government. And she was like, but everybody knows that. And I was like, they don't know. I didn't know. I can't, it, like when you say it, it vaguely makes sense. But I didn't really know it. And like our family would be really into music. So then we were thinking, I was like, okay, you have to change it to instead of Shostakovich, Stalin, you have to make a Tony Blair. And instead of Shostakovich, you have to make a D Reams believe things can only get better from 1997 election. But even that is a reference from 23 years ago. So it's like, it's, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm going off on a tangent now, but. Yeah, it is an art form where you have to take, bear in mind, you have to please everybody. Most, no, you don't please everybody. But you have to please most of the people most of the time whilst they're drunk. Hmm. So there are compromises. Yes, it, it's, it would be quite a funny sketch though for, for someone to do such a long-winded scientific joke like, or like that where you go in detail and someone's completely off their, their head on a Saturday night out, barely able to stand. A whole audience of them, you just say it. I mean, that would be, that'd be quite a good bit. It's, uh, but, so one of the things you said that, that I was quite interested in that sort of, one, one thing that I found quite interesting, so a lot of comics now, and you see some, a lot in America, they try and be like Richard Pryor, or they try and be like Louis C.K., and they try and like, you know, give speeches and sermon. And, and what, what, what do you make of that sometimes like in terms of 
there's some people do it very well, but then there's other times like they get the clap, but they don't really get the laugh when they're trying to do these fantastic speeches. Yeah, it it depends on what you're into. Like the problem with comedy is the problem with comedy. Let me tell you, <laughs> is okay because it's a newish art form, stand up, the alternative scene. So when people are like, oh, do you want to go out for a night out? Let's go and see some music, or let's go to a gig, right? You don't just go to the music club and sit down and then the first act is doing Lava Wem. The next act is like death metal. The next act is rock. And then the final act is like the Viennese Boys Choir and everybody has to like all of that stuff. You are very selective about the music that you like and watch and you go specifically to see that. Comedy, on the other hand, is the opposite. I'd love a laugh. Let's go. Marvin, let's go. Let's go watch some comedy. I'll need cheering up. You know, left me again, and then you're like, "All right, babe, let's go." We don't go and see. Do we want dark comedy? Do we want women's comedy? Do we want like you know whatever the ethnic group we associate with comedy? We don't go to that length. We just go to the comedy, and you'll have a one-liners guy. You'll have a deadpan guy. You'll have a woman that's um, you know talking about sex. You'll have um, you know you could have a character act. You're very varied act. You can have a political comedian that's telling us what's what. So it is getting more, um, it is getting more selective and it's getting more niched. But so some people love that kind of comedy. Some people want that. It's the kind of the comedy of, agree, of agreeing with the opinion. And some people hate that. So it's, if you can make it work for you, that's great. I remember I had a boyfriend. He was really into, he's really into Daniel Schloss. And he was like, he's amazing. He was a Spanish, by the way, so I'm going to do the accent. He was amazing. He could do maybe 10 minutes. No joke. <laughs> I think me is annoying. But for him, like, he just wanted a humorous TED Talk. That's what he wanted. He wanted somebody who spoke his opinions to him articulately and humorously. And that's totally legitimate. Um, so, yeah, it's it's people who don't like that. Just are like... Yeah, it's not what you call comedy, but it is a form of comedy in the way that you might like jazz music, but it is still a form of music. It's just that comedy hasn't become um, specifically niched enough. And maybe it doesn't have to be, but, you know, because it is nice to have variety as well. Comedy is a variety show. So people get cross when they do comedy that they don't like the show. And they're like, it's not comedy. I'm like, some stuff I don't like at all. And, you know, for the first time last night, uh, which was very interesting, I was at the gig and this woman came on. She was very good and she did a lot of stuff. It was a very Women were laughing and she did pretty good and she was good. And then a man came on and I'd never seen this before. But as soon as the man came on, he didn't do anything. It just The two women just went to the side. They looked like, oh, no, man. Like they were not impressed because they hosted being a woman. The first act was the woman. And then they just saw this man. And, and I was like, and, um, and, and, and another person in the audience said, God, did you see those women's reaction to the man? They're man haters. And I just thought, not, they're not necessarily, but we've had, women have had this reaction for years where you go on stage and visibly you see people go, oh God, not this. So I thought, why not? These women like female comedy and they just couldn't hide their disgust at a man. You know, and he was really good, but they didn't laugh at him at all. So that was interesting. Maybe they mm. need to go to all female comedy nights. 
Hmm. That's it. That's that. Islands, by the way, just to let you know. <laughs> that's 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 ah, that's that's an interesting. I've seen lo lots of the reverse of that, where I've seen uh, one thing I found very strange is I've sometimes seen it where the groups of women would say women aren't funny comedians, but they're women themselves. And then I see it where there's blokes that uh, won't get put off by a female comic. So yeah, it's it's people were. Uh, all, all, all unique, I'd say, aren't they? Yeah, I think it's really improving for women's comedy. I think women are realizing, you know, I mean, I sorry, I'm sorry, I'm at the point where sometimes I can see a comedian is really good. He's a man, but he's a married man, and he's just talking about his life experience. I've, I, I've kind of like, I don't have to think he's, I don't have to get caught up in this guy is amazing because he's good, but he's not for me. So I'm just like, it's a relief to be able to say that because. We have all these sacred cows that are men in the comedy scene. And I can go, yeah, he's good, but he's not for me. And that's fine. And I have a friend who says she doesn't like any male comedians. And everyone was shocked. And she said, well, look, that's just the way it is. I only really like female comedians. There's a few male comedians I like. But think of all the men over the years have said this. It's not that shocking about women comedians. I was like, that's fair enough. Yeah, I think that's one of the things that I've, come to a realization in comedy of acts as well i always hear from other comedians they always say that oh this person's bad or this person's this or that but i've i'll see them like destroy the room or do really well and it's a bit like yeah so who gives it at the end of the day you we have our own taste it's just let them let them get on with what they got to do yeah and sometimes sometimes even like you can write comedy that would please most of the people most of the time, or you can write comedy that most people don't like, but some people really like, and that might really be better for your career in the long run if you get a niche audience that like you. Different. I don't know. I mean, I don't know if there's that much advice you can give other than be yourself, which is a really annoying advice. Like, what if my self isn't funny? Well, and I used to give people advice. If you're funny in real life, you'll be funny on stage. But I don't even think that's true either because you have some comedians that are not funny in real life at all and they're really funny on stage. It like brings out a demon or creature in them. Like Joseph Murphy is a is a really he's very good at improvising. Like he's very quiet when you talk to him, he doesn't say too much. But when he's on stage, he just does completely wild and madcap things that you like, my God, how, where does he get the bravery from? I don't know him now at all, but I'll watch out for him. Joseph Murphy. He's, yeah, he's a very, very good improviser, I'd say. I'll keep my eyes peeled for Joey. What, what, um, so you gigged a lot, you mentioned before, like in the North, it, that you've got to be yourself in an island, but is there sort of like a regional, do you have to adjust your set based on different parts of Ireland as you do in the UK? Um, no, I haven't really noticed. The north of Ireland, maybe, because there's sectarianism. So if I'm going up to the north of Ireland, I'm a southerner. And um, it, it depends. I haven't gigged that much in Belfast, really. I'd like to gig more. I think I would have jokes that are specifically written from my vantage point as a southerner. So, but I haven't noticed any. I mean, because no, Belfast is part of the UK as well. And I think they have, they might have, a, they might have little differences when you can, but... I, I haven't, I have not experienced enough really to answer it. I haven't gigged in Belfast in six years and I only, I've only gigged in the North about three times. So 
and I would have been really inexperienced when I did it and it would have been open mic kind of stuff. So wait till I go back, then we can do part two where I give you what's what about different regions of Ireland. <laughs> but in terms of like UK, what, what have you noticed? Because I, I heard that in, in Midlands and up north, that seems to be where a lot of the pay gigs are happening. And they say that in down south, it's not quite as quite as well paid as up north. Um, well, I, I don't know. Um, I, I, yeah, there are a lot of good paid gigs up in the north, uh, despite it being more economically disadvantaged, supposedly. Um, they still seem to have decent gigs and they seem to get good money for them. I, I don't know why that is. Um, I can't tell you, babe. Don't know. Why not? It's, it's, no, I'm joking. Fair enough. It, I understand, you know, it's apples and pears and like I haven't been in the UK long enough. I was here for a while and I never gigged anywhere outside of London really. And then I went, came back and since the lockdown. So I've only kind of really been back, you know, and I've been doing well and getting plenty of gigs. And sometimes I'll, you know, and I've, I enjoy gigging up in the north or, but I, I can't, I don't know why there's, there's more, there's more. It's an interesting question that you'd be asked, ask McFerry or some northern stalwarts why that is. I listened to what's it called Simon Cain's podcast with someone. They say that one of the things was that they wanted to pay for acts from down south to travel up there. But yeah, it's an interesting question. Are you saying that this is what came first, the chicken or the egg question? Is that what you're saying, Aiden? Aideen? No, I'm not. I'm not. I don't know what I'm saying. <laughs> next, next, next. Next. <laughs> okay. Um, but now we we found out a bit about you and things you've done. But what 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 are things about you that no one would expect? You know, if I was like having a chat with you in a pub, my name's Doe, and I'm like, "What the Aiden? How are you doing? What sort of things would surprise me?" Um, I am a very good singer. Oh, so maybe you got that from my little lesson dorm a bit there with the birth. Uh, well, I speak Irish fluently, Gaelic. I also speak fluent French. Um, that's quite surprising. Um, when I was 13, I was a pop brain wand. So I won this national TV quiz about pop music questions. These are all fascinating facts about me. Yeah. Oh, my God. Just so you know French. Yeah, parlez-vous français. Yes, we boy. Hi. So my mother was a French teacher and I worked in France in a nursing home for a year. So that's where I learned it. My God. And and what, what I hear that the Irish language is dying. How did you manage to avert that? It, like I hear that Irish law is written in that and it was an interesting story. Wasn't there one day where all drugs became legal in Ireland because of that loophole in the Irish law? Yeah, there was so yeah the Irish language it's like Welsh um so there's revivalists on one hand and there's Welsh immersion Irish immersion schools called Gaelskull and, and and then so it's it's getting stronger outside of the Irish speaking areas it's getting weaker in the Irish speaking areas there's various I couldn't even get into it because it'd be like a thesis on why it is but my I'm a native speaker of it that's my my paternal language so I've always had it and have you have you done any gigs in it because that would be quite yeah, yeah i couldn't there's a occasional irish language comedy club that i'm heavily involved in 
but I had COVID there. It was on two weeks ago. I had COVID, so I couldn't do it. So that was very disappointing for me. But St. Paddy's Day now, I'll be doing St. Paddy's Day week. I'll be doing gigs in it again. But what's it like doing comedy in Irish as opposed to the English? Like, how does it differ? Because it's always yeah, you know. more limited. There's less vocabulary, and there's less <clears throat> stock phrases. People, there's less fluency. But there's more jokes about the language, puns in the language, possibly jokes about the Irish language scene. You know, so you, you, you have a pool that you can't access with a pool that you can. Then again, the um, the noun comes um, after the, 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 or the adjective comes, comes after the verb, to, after the noun in Irish. So sometimes you know, like the pool, like a real joke, you, you have it in English, you nail it, and then you say it in Irish, like, oh no, it's all. <laughs> Um, yeah, it's fun. It's fun to do. You, I mean, you can get a few government grant type gigs with it, but if you were to be a pure comedian to a live doing that, nobody's just doing gigs in Irish. Would you would you be able to do what? Because I heard with a busker that I had on the podcast, she does busking in like four or five different languages. But what she does is she gets someone from that language to translate her bits into that language. She's able to do it across the globe. Do you think if, you know, my name is Bobby Carrotfishel from London and I wanted to do a gig in Irish and I was like, Aideen, could you please translate my jokes in Irish? That could, <laughs> that could possibly it'd be done. Laboured. It'd be very laboured. I mean, I could do it, but it would take ages. I don't think it'd be worth it. But because you'd be just ages and then the phonetical learning it off by heart and then I'd have to change some of the jokes and there'd be references you couldn't do. Yeah, so it wouldn't really be worth it and there isn't enough money. Maybe if I was going to do if I was going to do it, I'd probably translate your set into Saudi, into Arabic, you know, go over to Dubai, do it like do whatever is the richest language, do it in that because it is a lot of work. I've, I've heard I, had, I know someone that came from Dubai and one of the things is it's such a small comedy scene that they've had like the big people from TikTok come in to speak to the comedians there and they, they said there's like maybe 40 people there they've had big chats with them on how to get them big on it on the platform and you said that and this is another interesting question I ask to you I spoke to Earl Oaken do you know of Earl Oaken he always tells he told me that comedy in England started in folk clubs is that sort of the sort of case in Ireland did it sort of sort of start there or did they see it in no I don't I'm sure there was a storytelling tradition in Ireland where Shanachi which means an old wise person would tell stories and that would be kind of on the tv so you had these storytelling kind of men usually I can't remember any of them being women and then the alternative comedy scene that happened in Ireland like literally in the set. It must have been people who were over in England. Kevin Gildy would definitely have been over in England. And some other comedians saw this happening and thought this, we could do this in Ireland. So in 1993, the first comedy club was born. But we were still very influenced by that storytelling tradition. So um, it didn't, I don't think the folk club scene had much to do with it. I know exactly what you're talking about. And I know that people who played in that folk club scene like Christine Moore in the 60s in England would be good storytellers and ramblers and the likes. But it, that is something I, I mean, I have a history of Irish comedy book. I don't remember reading that, but I could look oh. over it and find out. But yeah, it's it's an interesting one. And I get people saying to me, what's it called? Stand up comedy start, started in America. And I'm here, so that that's, I, but I've never heard like the precise thing of what led to it in 
New York, or it's people just say, oh, stand-up comedy started over there, but there's no like evidence or things, or they don't mention anything. They just said, oh, it starts over there. Dance America, which we didn't have in Ireland, and variety acts, and you'd have a comedian in that variety act, or you'd have the MC or the host or the compare who'd be making jokes. There would have been stock jokes. So I think that, in a way, was was comedy. You know, those old Jewish jokes. You know, if you watch films from the twenties, there'll be like somebody saying, "My wife, you know, make my wife, please take her," and um, you know that kind of comedy. So it's not. Yeah, I think it's one of those things where people are like, oh, it definitely started here in, in, in 1973, but it was amalgamated with different things. Yeah, and I, I, did, I always heard of um, one of the things that Earl Oaken said that he was very into the Goonies or like the, what's it called? What's his face? Charlie Chaplin. Um, Goonies, what else did he mention to me? A few other sort of acts like that that are very sort of movement based, a bit more clownish. Um, what were there? Is was there a lot of people like that in Ireland, sort of slapstick sort of comedy? No, um, not growing up on the TV, I don't remember. It was more verbal. I've but then again, that's I didn't like slapstick comedy when I was a child, I liked kind of. I like it more now, but when as a child, it's like, oh, I want somebody telling me about their pain. Not quite, but I liked, I didn't like, um, I didn't like Tom and Jerry. I didn't like, I hated Roadrunner. I hated all that stuff. Why I really liked Bugs Bunny. It's a smart arse. I like that smart arse kind of thing. Then Bart Simpson, that, and like, I like that kind of stuff. So now I appreciate it more. Um, I mean, the Groucho Marx, I liked him. Um, so, and in Ireland, yeah, we didn't have much on the TV really when I was a kid, we had two stations. So, um, I, yeah, it's a good question. I'm not too sure um, what I was influenced by, but it would, weird stuff. I, li I liked weird and surreal stuff as well. Not so much physical, but strange, because I was a bit strange. Oh. Listen, I am going to have to wrap this up. I've just realized the time and yeah, oh, no worries. I'm going to go to the doctor because I'm just too funny and he has to operate on me to take out my funny bone. Um, okay. So thanks very much for ringing me. And I'm um, sorry I didn't get through all your questions. No, but it's been good. Thanks for coming on. Um, for everyone that... Wonderful host. Oh, thank you, man. Thank you very much. And hopefully I'll get you down for some of the gigs I have in London. It'll be good to Thanks. see you. Brilliant. Tuesdays, I know I've always keep saying it to you. I might be around. I'll be around. Are you on around this Tuesday? This Tuesday. Uh, I'll be hey, in this Tuesday, it. but I haven't got any gigs running then. But. Oh, you've not got gigs running. Okay. Okay. Sorry, I was going to come to your house and have Christmas dinner with you. No. <laughs> it's not running. Okay. That's grand. Well, hopefully what you see normally, that's my one night of teaching online. That's I've got this nice class, like, and I, I like, I'm hanging on to it by a thread. So I, I, I don't like to miss it. Anyway, no thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. I'm going to log off now. Okay. Bye bye. Okay. Happy New Year, guys. Hope you've been good. Apologies for not producing as regular episodes as I normally do. Just thought I'd take a little short break during the festive period. But I'll make sure that for the rest of the year, it's going to be the same as usual. Every Sunday, 
you're going to be seeing an episode from me. Now, she, this this guest is uh, is absolutely amazing, wasn't she? Aideen McQueen. She's remarkable, and I hope you guys gained a lot from this episode. Now, same thing as usual. If you like the episode, subscribe and subscribe. Review on Amazon or iTunes, and I'll see you all next week.